All right, guys, here we go. We have a very special episode of the Nordy Podcast. That's right. This week we are doing Nordy 2020 nominations. We will tell you who is nominated for all of our biggest awards. We will break down the season finale of Mandalorian. And uh, we will start our Back to the Rewatch, our rewatch of Back to the Future. Here we go, Nordy's Podcast. And here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How are you guys? I'm good. Ready to roll. I'm good. I'm really excited for this podcast, you guys. I can't wait for this episode. This is the annual Nordy nominees uh, for the most prestigious award in uh, all of awards. It's a pretty big deal. It's huge. This is huge. Um, So people should get excited. We have our nominees. You guys are going to be able to spend the next week telling us what we got wrong, what we got right, who we should be voting for, who you feel is the right choice. Um, We'll make some posts on Instagram. You guys can comment underneath who you think is the right choice. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a really fun week as we pick uh, as the most prestigious award givers in the whole world, uh, the most prestigious and important topics. Uh, we'll get to those in just a little bit. So we're really excited about that. Also go back, check out our sports cast from earlier in the week. And as always, please give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordeast podcast. Also, for those of you who celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. It is Christmas this week and we would love you guys to give the gift of the Nordeast podcast. So please, as a gift to us, just like post us in your story, repost something we did, tell people in your story to check us out. We would really appreciate that. That would go a long ways. It's the season for giving. We're giving you guys free podcasts and friendship every single week, and we would love it if you guys could help spread the word to your friends and family about the Nordy East podcast. And not only does that gift cost you $0, like we mentioned last week, Nordy's podcast coming in 2021. Save your own stimulus check, free for the entire year. Free for the whole year. And also, guys, if you've ever been in the situation where someone got you a gift and you didn't have a gift for them and it's really awkward, just say, I got you something too. It's my friends over at the Nordy's podcast. and they A, a year-long subscription. Let yeah, me see your phone. You. And then you just grab their phone and you look up N-O-R-D and we come up and you hit subscribe and you hand it back. And then, boom, you got them the gift of the best podcast there is, so... Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. We know you'll do us good this week, and uh, we couldn't be happier about it. Now, guys, before we jump into this awesome episode, what are you guys drinking? Okay, I'm going to go first. I'm back at Movies. Okay, the pop-up from Kevin Smith that happened down in at First Out. I went there tonight, and I grabbed a four-pack that cost me $30. So you're damn right I'm going to drink it on both podcasts. I'm going to drink all $30 worth tonight. But what's your review of the beer? It's good. It's a crispy pilsner. It's very nice. You know Indeed can make it. It's probably literally B-side pills with a different wrapper on it that I paid $30 for. But I like it. Makes sense. All right. I'm, uh, I went a little bit more macro than I normally do. I'm at Surly. But they had a new release. Uh, it's a juicy IPA called Moving Pictures. Uh, relatively inexpensive, too. Like, pretty decent price for uh, a six-pack from Surly. Uh, the logo is cool as hell. Um, beer is pretty solid. I'd give it a, a solid like B plus. Just like most early beers. 
All right, I am drinking Make Good Choices. This is the Hangover-inspired smoothie sour brewed by Blackstack in collaboration with Drecker. This thing was like $22 for a four-pack, so it better to be special. The cans look freaking sweet. It says right on the can, Cocktail Inspiration Miami Vice. The components, strawberry, pineapple, coconut cream, vanilla bean, caviar, milk, sugar, and mixed culture fodder fermented Berliner base. Jesus. Jesus. Christmas. This thing is wild. It's like um, you're drinking something too luxurious almost. Like it's kind of like drinking one of the um, uh, the what's the modest ones? The oh, the dream yard. No, no, and the squeeze ones, the fret, like the shook. 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 It's like a shook. We're like, it's really good and tasty, but you're kind of like, it's a little much. Yeah. Good you to know? split with a couple people, which you're always by yourself. So that's not good. Always by myself. So I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> All right. So guys, here we go. We're going to jump into uh, the news of the week. And there isn't really any news this week. So the only news we're going to talk about is something we're excited about. Wonder Woman is getting great reviews so far. Wonder Woman 1984 is coming out on Christmas Day on HBO Max. How excited are you guys? And what are the earlier reviews saying about this movie? Um, yeah, I mean, it's like super fresh. It's like 88-something percent um, with, you know, all those critic reviews. So like 50 of them. So that's really, really good for a comic book movie. That means we're going to fucking love it pretty much. Um, and the critic reviews are like great performances, really light and fun compared to like, the last one, which was World War One and dark and like literally was like sepia tone. You know, this is like the 80s, man. It's bright. It's popping. You got Pedro Pascal, who's killing it this year. I think he is nominated for one of our Nordies. That's a spoiler. Um, it's going to be really fun. I'm psyched. Christmas Day. I'm watching it on Christmas. You guys? Um, totally in. Totally in. Totally in. I hope so. I'm excited about it. It should be a really great movie. Um, it's Patty Jenkins again, right? Yep, correct. Um, she's one of the best in the biz now. Can't wait to see what she does with this. The cast looks like a lot of fun. Um, we're hoping it's an absolute home run. Can't I think wait. it will be. And even though it's a you know DC property, I think Wonder Woman is their one like shining light, you know, like lighthouse at the end of the coast that everyone can see and knows like okay, there's safe harbor around somewhere. Um, even though, you know, there's some, there's some positive things coming out of DC. There hasn't been a lot. Um, I think Wonder Woman is, is the one, the, the light that's shining the brightest. Oh, I like how you stuck with the metaphor. I was hoping you'd go a little farther and be like the stormy seas of the Batman versus Superman and the boat that mm-hmm. were, I mean, I, I did like it. I like how you brought it back at the end too. Good work on the metaphors. I like that. I can't wait. I can't wait to uh, review this for you guys. Hopefully next week. Are you actually going to watch it, though? That's the ultimate question. Yeah. Getting you to watch a movie is like getting my kids to sit down for five seconds. I'm just going to say this. I'm, you guys want to call me out. I think that I'm the only person who hasn't skipped a single one of our uh, rewatches. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I think I skipped, uh, I skipped one of the Harry Potters. Um, I, I may not have finished Die Hard 2, but that's the secret. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I feel like I've knocked out every one of those. All right, let's move on to Hot Rex this week. Since there's not a lot of news, there are a lot of great things on TV. Um, Obviously, Mandalorian is just top-end television, uh, but we're going to save the Mandalorian chatter for its 
season two finale for the end of the episode. So if you watched Mandalorian season two and you watched the finale and you're all caught up, we are going to go full on spoilers and tell our opinions. We're going to break down the episode and go through the season and uh, make some guesses at what comes next. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, stick around for the end of the episode. It will be full of spoilers. If you haven't watched it yet, save it. Pause the episode at that point. Come back, hear our takes afterwards. You're not going to want to miss this. I feel like if you didn't watch Mandalorian, it's like not watching Game of Thrones. Like, what are you doing? You need to yeah. watch it as soon as possible. Okay. Um, also, guys, we're firmly on board with His Dark Materials on HBO. Um, it's what, probably halfway through the season? Yep. Uh, four episodes in, and it has never been better. It's so much better than season one. And episode four, I think, might have been its best episode. Yeah, I think either, I think it was one or two was really, really strong. Th- three was a bit of a step back. Um, and then, yeah, four was awesome. Like, a ton of action. You get to see some of your favorite characters interacting. Um, so I thought it was great. I'm psyched on the show. Yeah, and the, the, the drama, um, the the where is the story going has never been more complex right now, especially from a non-book reader. You know, I'm, I have a vague idea of what, you know, the books have been about, uh, but I've never read them. And so right now I'm at the at the point where, like, I don't know where this is going to go. Like, this is very intriguing. And like Jimbo said, like, there's some really cool interactions and the stakes continue to go up mm-hmm. and i love that sort of tension and and drama building of like uh how are they going to get out of this or into this or around this or, or and not just from like the good guy perspective but also the like the bad guys you know like what are they going to do to to navigate these uh navigate these rough waters with no light uh no um I, I I love it, and like you said, the, the episode three had too much Lin Lin Manuel Miranda uh, exposition and talking, um, and that was definitely a step back. But then once they get back to like some of the main characters, it's phenomenal TV. I mm-hmm. uh, can't wait to see where that one goes. Um, Jim, you were watching Industry. Where can we find this, and is this something that people should be watching? I think so. Yep. So you know, in in researching for our Nordies, I you read a lot of lists, right? And you say, hey, what what are other people looking at? Um, turns out there's a lot of TV out there. A lot of people picked really highbrow stuff that didn't get a lot of, uh, views, which is fine. I've seen some of that stuff. Some of it hasn't been worth commenting on throughout the year, but something that kept coming up, um, was this industry show, which is a British production. It's like, um, a, like a British bank where like, they're all like money lenders and they want to make these sales. And they're all like these young kind of professionals coming out of fancy schools trying to make this cut. So it's very competitive within this office. Um, it's very high stakes and then they are all like relatively like young kids. So they're like having sex and it's wild and they're doing drugs and it's like, um, so it's pretty much like succession meets girls. Do you guys remember girls on HBO? Oh yeah. So I was with a little bit of, uh, with a little bit of like boiler room sprinkled over the top of that. Competitive, like cutthroat nature. Yeah. That is so exactly right. Yes. Boiler room too. Um, and I really liked it. I mean, it is. I can't decide if the show, I think it's maybe a little bit more tailored towards a female audience, um, but not a lot. I think it's really enjoyable for everybody. My wife liked it. And then she's like, I got girls vibes throughout it. And then we saw who directed, I didn't even know this, but Lena Dunham, who made Girls and Starting Girls, directed and produced it. So 
I get it. She um, directed the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she's an executive producer. Yep. So I kind of get it. And, you know, you can say what you want. She's really controversial. She says really, really dumb stuff sometimes, but she's a talented storyteller. So I like the show. I'm going to keep watching it. I don't think it's going to be on my list, my top five or 10 list, like a lot of my saw, but it's worth watching for sure. It's definitely very captivating. Like the, the vibe it's, it, I would compare it in terms of like, like the queen's gambit a little bit in that I don't care about the financial sector of great Britain at all. Right. I, I don't, but they, they do a pretty good job of like circumnavigating, um, the parts that sort of like matter to the audience versus like the nuts and bolts of what they're actually trying to accomplish. So they're like, well, why didn't, you know, you got to talk to this client or make this sale or say the right thing and pass it off to this other person. It's more about like office politics yeah, in a more uh, like numeric based world, if you will. And I think it's really interesting. Um, to hear some of the the chatter amongst like the different people, but it's really just about like the interactions of the the humans, like of the people, yeah. um, and their different characteristics and and this melting pot of like Jimbo said, people from different fancy schools with different backgrounds that have different talents uh, in different sections of this company, and sort of how they all blend together. It's a really cool adaptation or like a, a really cool take on that. I I, I find it very uh, intriguing and can plan to continue watching. Super good, super strong um, black female lead. I don't know who she is. I think I will by the end of the season and whatever she does next because I think she's really talented. And then all the side characters, tons of them. Really great stuff. So, Eric, I think you would like this show. And I think uh, Laura would like the show. All right. Well, I know Laura would because Jess um, does. Another show. Um, I've checked out some of it. Uh, I've just heard so many people. Jason Concepcion was all on board with it. A um, bunch of people on The Ringer were talking about it. That's The Undoing on HBO um, about halfway through it. It's like good, but I don't know if it's a, it's, it's, it's big little lies with Hugh Grant. I mean, worse though. It, it's, it's well done. There's a lot of big people in it. Um, what's it? Southern Sutherland. Is that name? Donald Sutherland. Isn't it? Um, Is it the, okay. The dad, the older guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of names in it. It's like good television, but I don't know if it's memorable. Um, no, and it's already canceled. So yeah, there you go. Partway through it, I'm not going to say it's I'm like bad, but it's also not a, a wreck. You're, you're on your you're on your phone for part of it. Half of an episode and quit. All right, uh, you guys both watched Tenet. I have to watch it this week before the Nordies. Um, What did you guys think of Tenet? And where does it? Well, I'll wait till next week for you to do a, for a full review. But I really liked it. Um, a little long, maybe, but. Really, really, really strong. Super clever. Um, I think it's going to be fun as a movie to watch multiple times. I think it's going to be really, really rewatchable. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a minimum of a two-watch movie. Like, you need to watch it twice within, like, a week, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it's Nolan's strongest movie, um, but it is damn intriguing. Mm-hmm. And, like, you... The, the, the first six minutes are unbelievable. Like, you're thrown into it right away. Um, and then it kind of doesn't slow down. Like, it just it just sort of moves along, like, relatively quickly. And you're like, I'm, I'm willing to sit through this car ride wherever it takes me. And mm-hmm. I don't really care. 
um, if, if you think about it too, you know, like a lot of, if you think about things like too much, you can get twisted in your own head and not understand, but just sort of be open and just go with it. Just, just go with the vibe of the movie and it'll kind of all make sense in the end of your second rewatch. I'll just say that. To me, it's most like Inception from his other work and it's not as good as Inception but it's better than um, some of his other movies. Better than which one? Are thinking of? Better than Interstellar for sure. And he's, you know, um, but it's it's complicated, man. I mean, it is like you can pay attention as close as you want to because there are clues scattered throughout, and it's very twisty. Uh, good performances. I really liked it. The the mechanics are the most interesting thing I've ever seen in a movie. Yep. And I'll just, I, I won't go any further than that, but the mechanics are something you've never seen and you probably never will see again. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it's like, it's almost like watching it. You're a little your brain is a little confused. It's like the first time you saw bullet time in the matrix. Like it is pretty revolutionary stuff. All right, guys. Um, I think it's time to move into our minority nominations. Let's do it. Cause I, I everyone's, everyone's on pins and needles and so am I, let's do it. I can't wait. So we're going to go through these. Um, we're not going to give you guys too much of our opinions on this because we want to hear from you guys this week. We're going to make up our minds and make our votes. And next week we will uh, choose the 2020 Nordy winners. Um, we've done this as our fourth annual Nordy Awards. If you're new to the show, you haven't been listening, the Nordies are a big deal. So get yourself excited. Um, we're going to start with probably to us – the biggest uh, award, and that is TV show of the year drama. Huge. Huge. I mean, we that's, were, I mean, that's a big deal. We were having a hard time narrowing this down to six. Yeah, no, there was definitely some, some honorable mentions that were close, but we did it. So we came down to six of them. They're from all different networks. Um, we'll start out first with Amazon Prime's The Boys. I believe it came out in August. Uh, season two of The Boys uh, was a big upgrade in my opinion from season one, and uh, notably was on former President Barack Obama's shows of the year. Uh, if you haven't watched The Boys, it is like uh, insanely violent uh, to like almost a funny level at times. Uh, the story of superheroes who are uh, corporate greedy and horrible humans, horrible, yeah. horrible people, horrible yeah. People. Um, that's our first one. The next one is the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Um, this is a show that seemed, uh, like it would be the most boring thing. I think I've only watched half of it so far. Um, but where I'm at, it's pretty good. It's very interesting. Somehow, uh, a neurotic chess player, um, with like a drug problem can be very interesting. Chess sounds like it's the most boring thing you could watch, um, but they do a great job of making this show something fun and interesting. Um, Dark, one of our favorite shows. I believe they won the award. They won for their season two last year. Last year, we picked it as our show of the year. This was their third and final season on Netflix. This is a German show that we have been pushing for three years now. Um, this is the most complicated show I've ever watched in my entire life. It was so difficult that I had to have a map of people up on my phone. And that could scare some people off. There's many reasons not to watch it, but it was also the most rewarding thing I think I've ever finished. Well said. Uh, Mandalorian from Disney Plus. This is 
um, marquee television. We'll talk about it later. This is the reason that everybody has Disney Plus, and this is where the new direction of the Star Wars universe is headed. We have HBO Max's His Dark Materials. We've talked about that at great length. It's the Philip Pullman book series. They're on season two. They took it over from BBC. Is that right, Jim? Yeah, it's a co-production still, but it's, come on, it's HBO at this point. Uh, And then we have Ozark. Uh, Is it season three? Three. Ozark. We just rewrapped this year, yep. From Netflix. It was out earlier in the year, so you guys might not remember it, but everyone watches Ozark. It's a great show. Uh, This was probably the most intense, interesting season that we've had. Um, It just was a long time ago, and sometimes it's hard to remember back to such great television that we watched. And I'm in the midst of it. I'm finally catching up on that. So that's it. Those are our six nominees for our show of the year drama. Um, Get yourself excited. Uh, That's probably the topic that's the most near and dear to us. Can you think of any honorable mentions? I can think of one. Um, I think 000 was very close. That was an Amazon production. Literally no one watched it. I can't even believe we watched it. But it was great. You want to really, really well know the craziest thing about that show is on Rotten Tomatoes. It has 20 critic reviews and like five user reviews. Wow. Dude, it's so crazy. Amazon is the worst at marketing their shows. They overmarketed Man in the High Castle when they should have spent half that budget on marketing 000 and it would have been like an epic show and we'd been planning for season two. Yep. Okay. Let's move Should on. Should I jump into the next one? Yeah, jump into the next one. Okay. So this year, like I think previous years, we're going to do TV show of the year drama, TV show of the year comedy. That's what I'm doing right now, okay? Um, I think this one, we had a lot of good comedy this year. Um, we're going to start it out with, I know something that all three of us love, FX's Vampire, Send Up, What We Do in the Shadows. How good was Jackie Daytona, boys? Jackie Daytona was one of the high points of 2020. <laughs> Especially when, when they when they busted him out as a girls uh, volleyball coach. I think that I, I was literally like on the ground in tears, like laughing. I was so hilarious. It was one of the most random things they ever did, but they they swung for the fences and they hit the home run. I love it. Nailed it. Daytona next year for Halloween. Oh, it'd be so perfect. <laughs> And that's why Laszlo is my favorite character on there, too. So I really loved it. All right, look. Um, we all loved FX's Dave with our guy Dave Bird, a.k.a. Lil Dicky. What did you guys think of this show? Well, we're not going to do that. But okay. Well, we're not going to get into, like, why we think it could win or not win. But it was a fantastic show. It's, you know, the story of, of a ridiculous white rapper um, with penile issues. And it was like a really good co- mix of super laugh out loud and um, actually had some heart. So love that one. The Good Place, wonderful writing, wonderful acting as always, super funny. It, it's a sitcom, you know. It's got that vibe, but it's it's a really good show for NBC. Um, and serious serious finale on that one. Yes, that's over with. So that was the last season. I think it was a really good season too. All right, I don't know if you guys have heard of Pen Fifteen. Have you guys ever watched the show? Yeah, I've watched no. a couple episodes of it. Okay, it's on Hulu, and it's two, like, pretty unknown comedians that are, like, both female. They're probably, like, in their 30s, 
but they play the like the eighth grade versions of themselves. So they like it's two adult women dressed as as kids with all children actors. Not trying to make themselves look like kids. Right. No, I mean they just wear kids clothes, but like it's but honestly they get to act like young versions of themselves and it is so fucking funny. Like I some people are obsessed with the show. I think it's really good. I I kind of dropped it. I'll probably pick it back up. Um next we get HBO dropped out of nowhere never heard of this guy uh how to with john wilson six episodes they're short it's must watch in my opinion especially if you can get through episode four um which we should have i guess ryan wanted us to warn him about but it's best with zero disclaimers just go watch it i thought it was brilliant it's on everybody's top five lists or whatever so here it is on ours and then finally this is eric's uh big big push and everybody loves it i mean it is a very smart show big mouth on, on Netflix, the animated show. Uh, who's who's the the voice cast again? Is there somebody big? Mulaney? Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll is it John Mulaney? Too? Yeah, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, um, uh, Maya Rudolph, uh, Jordan Peele, and I mean, you name it. Like it's yeah. just all all big people. Okay, um, and that rounds out our our six. So I think we did pretty well. We had a lot to choose from in this category. All right, so moving on, um, we, we actually, I think this is the first time we've ever done this category, which is uh, Documentary of the Year. Documentary and docu-series. Mm -hmm. A docu-series, yep. okay, so sure. And um, so we'll start out with, I think this was on, it's an ESPN production, but it was on Netflix, uh, The Last Dance. This is uh, Michael Jordan uh, talking about uh, you know, sort of his uh, last hurrah with the Bulls, uh, but it does it does delve deeper into their early seasons, uh, his uh, quote unquote retirement into baseball slash gambling problem, and then picks it up um, towards their uh, final push for one last NBA championship. Even though with like uh, three of the greatest players ever to play the game at their position. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf said Phil Jackson will never be the coach of this or will not be the coach of this team uh, next season, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it was wild. really great. Everybody watched it at the same time, right in the beginning of COVID too. It was crazy. It was like, it was no the one the COVID show. Everyone was home, but it was the water cooler show. Um, and then our next nomination, uh, this show really needs no introduction and I'm not going to explain it because the threads are too many. Uh, but Tiger King, mm -hmm. Joe Exotic, uh, Carol Baskin, and her murdering self and husband. Um, the Wild Pro came at the right time. Tiger King came at the right time. Yeah. Like the wildest ride you've ever been on is Tiger King. But it was like the second quarantine started. They were like, we know you have to do quarantine, but here's Tiger King. Yep. Everybody just watched it. That that was um, like such a wild time. Remember that? That was like four years ago. Oh God! So <laughs> at least twenty-five months. Um, ago. And now Joe Exotic is suing the Trump administration because he didn't offer him a pardon. Like it's just everything is bonkers. Yeah. Um, this next show I did not watch any of, but Eric, I think you'd be a big advocate of this one, the social dilemma, and talking about the 
you know, downfall and the, the pitfalls that social media has on society in general and, and so many of the negative effects. Yeah, it was just one movie. It wasn't a show. It was just a documentary. Oh, it was a movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, just great. It was just talking about how you, of course, you use social media, but you need to understand exactly how it is uh, overpowering your tiny human brain. Yep. And then uh, with the double nom, how to with John Wilson coming yep. in for I mean, a docu-series. It, it makes sense because he's talking about specific topics and how to do them. And uh, there are that, no actors in the show. So it is a, you know, technically a docu-series. It's just weird topics and super random footage. Um, next up is McMillions. I don't know if you get, did you guys, did either of you watch this? I didn't finish it. I watched three, four episodes maybe. Okay, so this is about the McDonald's uh, Monopoly game that was, is it still popular? I don't know. I don't know if it's still popular, but it was about a handful of people that figured out how to scam it and their uh, criminal um, ventures into the world of trying to cheat McDonald's out of millions of dollars and then realizing that um, McDonald's has way more expensive lawyers than anyone else. And they kind of figured it all out. Um, which is, I thought it was a pretty solid documentary. Um, but I don't know, maybe not the best. And then last but not least, we have cheer, which again, this is a, this was a quarantine specifically, uh, I don't know, targeted, if you want to call it that, uh, docuseries about, a, I don't even remember the name of the school, but it's like a, this small school out west that has one of the top cheerleading performance programs in the nation. Um, turns out we shouldn't be rooting for some of the characters on that that uh, we thought we should because one of them has been arrested and booked on major child pornography charges. Um, but he was like the most lovable person on the show. Yeah, doesn't really hold up. Doesn't really hold up, but at the time it was a. Uh, it, I think it's still really solid overall. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that uh, yeah, cheer, and that was on Netflix. So that rounds out the six. One thing I had that is a I want to just do as an honorable mention. Um, on Hulu, they may they have a documentary called Totally Under Control, that lists like in kind of excruciating detail the first four months or six months of the. Um, outbreak of the pandemic and what the administration did every step along the way, the mistakes they made, the things they got right on very few occasions. Um, it's really, really amazing because we just lived through it and you're seeing sort of all the things you went through recontextualized. So that's a wreck for me, even though it did not make our noms. Well, now, and especially now that Pfizer says they've got millions of vaccines waiting to be distributed, but the federal government has not told them where to send them. But anyway, we're not, gonna talk, yeah. we're not here to talk about that. Network of the year. All right, so network of the year, guys. We'll keep it pretty simple here. There's pretty much six to choose from at this point um, that at least are in the conversation. First one is HBO. It's HBO Max now. They went to the HBO Max model. They didn't have a ton of great shows. We only nominated His Dark Materials and uh, How To with John Wilson. But, but they also now are carrying all of these uh, movies. What is it? Warner Brothers? Yep. Yep. All the Warner Brothers releases. But Warner, Warner's brother, Warner Brothers releases. We won't, we won't really be able to factor that in, obviously, for our voting here. 
I don't know. It happened in 2020, though. I mean, you're getting. It still happened. One movie came out on it. Mm-hmm. How many it movies? Will. Wonder Woman came out on Netflix, Amazon, FX, Disney Plus, and Hulu combined. Um, Netflix is up next. We got Queen's Gambit from them. We got Dark's final season from them. We got Ozark season three. Uh, you know, it was a big mouth. Um, the Social Last Dance. Last Dance. I mean, they had a huge year for shows in a year that we desperately needed shows. Amazon had The Boys. Um, and zero, zero, zero that nobody watched. Yep. Uh, FX. Um, what did they have this year? Kind of dry. Well, what we do we in the shadows, Dave? Dave. Um, Fargo. Uh, Hulu. Um, I don't know. It's like good if you want to binge old shows. <laughs> you saying doesn't stand a chance or what? <laughs> and uh, Disney Plus has Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Disney Plus had a big year. But we should also we should also say that Disney Plus provided like sixty uh, percent of our rewatch content. True. For this year. Okay. Um, I get a good one here. My categories gets to be movie of the year. Um, normally this would be packed and so hard to pick from, but we got like 12 notable movies all year. Um, more, many more delays than we got releases, I'd say. And we haven't even watched it yet. <laughs> and, you know, it is our sacred duty to fucking find something for people to watch, right? So if there's something out there, we're going to find it. We're going to get it to you. And we got six, I think, pretty hot picks. Um, I'm going to run through them, okay? First off, we cannot forget Borat subsequent movie film came out uh, at a time when everybody needed it. It was pretty much free to everybody that has Amazon, so that was super nice. And I think it was a really, really good movie. It deserves to be here. Um, Netflix did The Five Bloods by Spike Lee. Uh, we all watched it. I think, I think it was an important movie, um, entertaining, sometimes weird, but good. Um, this one is such a sleeper and I know maybe nobody loves this movie more than Ryan. Uh, Hulu came out of nowhere with an Andy Samberg movie that made me laugh out loud many, many times. And that was Palm Springs. Ryan, are you happy this is on here? I think if we had a category for like most underrated film of 2020, this would have everyone's nomination yeah i don't know if it deserves movie of the year but it was so fucking unbelievably good that i feel like i i'm probably overrating it yeah i i it's I mean, it's hard to make a funny comedy like it's it's not easy um and this one like was actually really really good so um here we're gonna get into three big movies now uh tenet which just dropped they tried to bring it to theaters god bless them Nobody saw it in theaters. Um, we all rented it when we could and just watched it recently, except for Eric, who will watch it this next week. So uh, Christopher Nolan's new movie, we already talked about it. Um, this one, it's a little shady. None of us have seen this, but we're still nominating it. And that's Wonder Woman 1984. Um, we all fully expect it to deserve this nomination. We will see if it deserves the win. Finally, um, we have a big war epic, uh, really, really cool one-shot movie 1917 um I, this was released technically last year but right at the end of the year like christmas time and we had done our nordies couldn't have been nominated so it's in this group um and really it, really a, a brilliant it, movie it didn't release to almost all theaters like it didn't release to minnesota until mid-january 
Okay. Yeah, I think yep. it was it was LA. It was LA and New York on Christmas Day, and then to the rest of the like Eric was saying, like January nineteenth or something, for the the bulk of the theaters. So our Nordy yep. noms had already been written and set in stone. And there was no way we were going to be able to, to put this one in there. So that's why it, it kind of fell. And they, the only reason they did that limited release, I think, was to get it to be eligible for the Grammys or the not the Oscars, which they did. And they did Correct. very well. So no, um, no, conspiracy theory, Eric is thinking that maybe they knew about COVID. OK, COVID-19, 1917, 17. Only affects people usually 17 and older. Yeah. Okay. Anyone under 17 has 19 in it. They knew they had to get it into 2019 oh. because they didn't want it in 2020 because they knew COVID was coming. Hmm? Yeah, it's a one-shot film. Uh, one-shot vaccination. Wow. I mean, it's all kind of adding up here. It's a, it's, it's a two-shot vaccination, but it's okay. Damn it. That's awesome. <laughs> We pushed it just as far as we could. All right. That's the movies of the year, man. We'll see. Tune in next week. See what's going to win. Let's go. All right. Uh, actress of the year. Um, the, the belt has been held for quite some time by uh, names like Emma Stone, ScarJo. But we got some new faces in here. And I think they could put up a pretty good fight. Uh, first and foremost, I think... Zendaya. Uh, between Spider-Man and Euphoria, I don't know if any female actress has put together uh, better performances um, in two different genres uh, of things to depict, and she's 100% deserving of a nomination. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy um, is the, the lead for uh, The Queen's Gambit, and as we mentioned before, um, came out of nowhere and made chess interesting and fun. And, and her personality really shows on the screen and she does a great job. Mm -hmm. um, Gal Gadot uh, needs no introduction. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, don't need to go any further than that. Uh, Julia Garner. Um, will, people would probably know her from uh, Ozark as Ruth Langmore. Uh, uh, curly haired spitfire. Doesn't take no shit from nobody. I'm not shit and about fuck. fuck you, Wyatt. You're going to college. Like you'll hear that <laughs> uh, many times. Uh, but yeah, she and, and she's great in other things too. Like she's she's a phenomenal actress. Yes. Uh, Daphne Daphne Keen is our next nom. Um, she's uh, initially kind of broke on to like the the main stage as the I forget uh, X twenty or whatever it was in Logan. Mm -hmm. um, uh, sort of the the younger female version of Wolverine, and now she's uh, playing uh, um, Lyra. Yeah, Lyra from uh, His Dark Materials, and she does an awesome job, like unbelievably good. She's she's she has such a bright future ahead of her. And then, um, actually, the year our final nom is uh, Scarlett Johansson, um, current title belt holder probably would have had a much stronger case this season had black widow uh come out in theaters but due to covid kind of got pushed back into 2021 uh but still uh no reason not to keep her off the list as she has the biggest firepower currently 
Yep. And she was, um, she was in marriage story and super, super excellent in that. Um, that's, that's true. I, mean, I forgot to mention that. Thank you. She was so good in that. She's just such an unbelievable actress. She could win it again. We'll see what happens. I think she's the best actor in the world, but that's just me. Yeah. Ma- yeah. Male or female. I agree right now. She's just unbelievable. All right. So I'm not saying she had the best 2020, but I just think overall her body of work over the last five years, she's probably the best in the world. And one thing I really like about how we do our awards is that it's not necessarily like who's the best or who had the best performance. It's who had the best year. So when you're looking, you're like, what body of work? And it's not always like the biggest movies. It's who had the most impactful year. And it could just be to their career. Like who just fucking blew up for themselves. All right, guys, moving on to actor of the year. We're starting with Sasha Baron Cohen for his work on Borat to subsequent movie film. Uh, this was something that kind of took over. It came out on Amazon Prime right before the election. Uh, it obviously made waves in the world of news and politics. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen was also in, um, what was the movie, The Trial? Trial of the Chicago 7. The Chicago yeah. 7 movie, yep. Um, Which John- was just, just cut from our noms for the year, by the way. That was like on the long list of 10. John David Washington for his work in Tenet, um, Adam Sandler for his work in Uncut Gems, Robert Pattinson for his work in uh, Devil All the Time and Tenet, uh, Pedro Pascal for his work in Mandalorian and Wonder Woman 1984, and R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman, uh, who enters the list. Uh, he was in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Five Bloods in 2020, so... Big ears for all of those guys. Uh, let us know who you guys think should be the actor of 2020. Beautiful. Um, okay, uh, we'll move on to some uh, some local shit, right? So um, that was all national. We we do a restaurant of the year every year. Um, I'm just gonna say them quickly. We don't have to discuss them all. Um, Olive and Lamb, uh, Northeast Minneapolis, new this year, or maybe just you know 2019. Um, what, super. Mediterranean food right across from Stanley's on university. I was gonna say, yeah, what kind of food do they have? So thank you. Oh dude, they have the most unbelievable like grilled chicken rice bowls and uh, salad bowls and shit. It's all metal Mediterranean, super fresh, super good, affordable market. So is, barbecue- it, is it, is it, oh. sorry, is it replacing the little Marina? Yes. Okay. Exactly. That's the building. Um, okay. Market barbecue just down the street, family owned business. There's a couple locations of this. We kind of had like a barbecue explosion in Northeast and no one's complaining about that. Um, Super good. Love it. Caveat. Old school. For a year that uh, everybody needed a lot of food delivered, they have the best fucking like Asian food. I mean, their egg rolls are on another level. Unbelievable. So um, everybody's loved them forever. It's like, why not give a nod to like an established older place? Okay. Um, I'll knock out these three. Beluto, new on the scene. They do like, uh, I guess it's Brazilian food. So Brazilian style pizza. And then they do empanadas. And they're, I just had it like for the first time a couple weeks ago. Unbelievable. Moochies, which is like really, really amazing pizza and desserts. And Travail, which if you've been there, you know the experience. You know it deserves a nom. It's fantastic. It's so fun. The food is unbelievable. It, your bill will be 150 bucks. But just have fun. Um, yeah, those are the restaurants. Six of them. Sweet. Um, 
so yeah, I'm going to go through the, uh, this is another one of the categories that we do. We talk about this every week. Um, this is brewery of the year. Um, and it's, again, it's not the most well-known. It's not the most reputable. It's not, I mean, this is the, which one had the best year. You're right. And I'll roll through these pretty quickly. Uh, Lupulin out of Big Lake always like a sleeper on beer every time we have one it's just like wow it's it's always very good um uh good friends of the pod fair state um i think everyone's pretty familiar with them um they also won, good did, friends, they, did they win last year or the first year they were last year yeah sorry last year's nordy winners was okay. was fair state um uh, also good friends of the pod modest uh, everyone should know modest body of work at this point in time uh, pretty phenomenal uh, junkyard. Um, uh, you know, brothers from a, a, a very far away, uh, distant land. Um, James, you and, and Eric got a chance to uh, meet some of the folks from junkyard. We didn't get as much junkyard this year because of the uh, pandemic and their their ability to distribute um, throughout the state was kind of culled by the fact that. Uh, they weren't driving all over, uh, you know, Kingdom Come trying to deliver beer. Uh, but Junkyard always produces high quality, uh, never uh, sacred recipe beers. And you get something different every time you pick up a crawler of theirs. Um, kind of new to the scene and up and coming is uh, Falling Knife. And Falling Knife is in Northeast. Um, they're in the old, oh my God, I'm going to forget the name. Westgate? Northgate, West, uh, North Northgate, Northgate Brewing, um, and we had one on the previous sportscast. Eric and I drank, uh, yep, Hidden Temple, and like uh, kind of sneaky good. And then one of our pod favorites too is Barrel Theory out of St. Paul, always producing like high quality, solid. Uh, beers especially their berliners are just it's not it's not a style that you think you would like and then every time you drink one of their beers you're like god damn it that's good mm -hmm. and so barrel theory's uh, got to be in there so those are our six for brewery of the year hey jim will you take the next one uh beer of beer yeah i absolutely will and i can be quick with them um this is a smattering of some of the very best beers they can be hard to remember but i think we did a pretty good job this year of taking some notes so we didn't really leave a bunch out. Um, two from, from Fair State right off the bat. Um, Sumatra, unbelievable. Um, Party Forward, really, really fun beer that they that they have released in 12 packs, which is really fun. Um, no Save Point from Modest, which was that Run the Jewels collaboration, really cool. Future Pixels from Modest, another beer we absolutely loved. Um, Straight Hash Homie from Lupulin, they do this every year. This year's was like a lot better, like really, really good. And then a Blackstack beer, that was absolutely ridiculous. Big, smoothie, weird beer that was absolutely delicious. Ken Burns presents. All six. There you go, buddy. All right. Uh, I'm going to move on to Minnesota Athlete of the Year. We're going to start out uh, early in the year with Kevin Fiala, the superstar young winger for the Wild who went from just promising young piece that we received in the Mikhail Granlin trade to uh, potential NHL superstar. We put on Nelson Cruz, who was an MVP candidate, for much of the year for the Minnesota Twins in another playoff season for them. At like 41 years old. <laughs> we have uh, Kenta Maeda, uh, who they traded for in the offseason. Uh, he finished, I believe, third in the uh, Cy Young voting for the AL. We have Emmanuel Reynoso, uh, the 
uh, midfielder for the Minnesota United who made a run all the way to the uh, Western Conference final. Um, Reynoso set a, an MLS record for the most assists in the MLS playoffs. We have uh, star running back of the Vikings, Delvin Cook, who's second in the league in rushing and first in rushing touchdowns. And we have superstar rookie receiver, Justin Jefferson, breaking records, uh, Minnesota records every year and is in the conversation to be the rookie of the year. So there you go, Minnesota Athletes of the Year. Okay, and uh, last but not least, uh, we always do Minnesota Team of the Year. And um, I don't think I need to give any long-winded explanations of each of the teams. We've got Minnesota United FC, uh, the Loons. We've got the Twins, Vikings, Wolves, Wild, and Lynx. Um, kind of a murderer's row of average teams yeah. to <laughs> below average teams. So it's not... I mean, we're, we're going to be kind of digging in the bottom of the barrel to figure out which one um, had the best season, um, especially in the year of our COVID. Um, things were very wild and or very crazy and different. So um, we'll do our best to uh, pull some. We'll do a little glasses half full for our Minnesota team of the year and, you know, maybe talk about what they did this season and, and how we hope they build on the future. All right, guys, there you go. Nordy's next week. Let us know this week who you think should win each of those awards. We can't wait to find out your opinions on that. Uh, and we will give you our winners in the most prestigious award show of the year. It will come out. Uh, you guys won't be working, so just tune in to the Nordies. It'll be a great time. It'll be like you're sitting down with your buddies during quarantine and uh, shooting the shit about some of your favorite topics. So tune in, spread the Hell word yeah. these podcasts, and let us know what you guys want to hear happen on the 2020 Nordies. All right, we're moving into our next uh, topic of the day, and that is Back to the Rewatch, our rewatch of Back to the Future. Um, we're watching the first one. What do you guys think of this movie? Jim, I know you have some extensive notes. Oh, yeah. Um, I loved this movie. I was thrilled the entire time. I laughed. I just had a huge smile on my face. It is so smart and so funny and so engaging, and it's better than Indiana Jones. Better than any of the Indiana Jones movies. I couldn't believe it. Uh, this one just had a little too much, like, um, incest stuff for me. Oh, everybody. Are you kidding? It's the year of 2020. Everybody loves that shit now. <laughs> It was it was a lot of like, Mom, you but you're hot here. Yeah. I was like, oh. Um, Do you want to just get the problems out of the way with it then, if you're going to start there? Because one of the major plot points is such a fucking problem. It's unbelievable. You know how they're going to solve, how Marty's idea to solve the problem is with his mom not liking his dad? Sexually abuse, or, or try to rape her. That's his plan. That's That's how it's supposed to go. His plan was like, I don't really want to, but I'm going to try to rape my mom. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just come and save the day. So in other words, best case scenario, she gets, she thinks she's going to be raped. That's I mean, the if, so. if George chickens out and that, that plan goes all the way through to the end, huge problem. He's like, um, he was literally like, have you ever had to do something, but you didn't really want to? I was like, what? You're going to go through this? 
Dude, it was... Okay, so let's just clear that out. Because the movie was released in the late 80s. Is that right? Um, Let's just sweep that under the rug like they all did in Hollywood at the time. And we'll move along because it was a fantastic like, movie. Otherwise. Like the reverse racism from Die Hard. Die Hard, with yes. Avengers. Just move along. So let's just start with a couple cool things. One, um, even though he's like five foot two and I don't know... I, I can't see the handsomeness in him. Um, Michael J. Fox has some real charisma and is really cool with his skateboarding, I guess. Um, Which he you seem to actually do, I think, a lot in the movie. Yeah, that was cool. I kept thinking about that. Um, I would say that the early parts of the movie um, really brought me back and I was having a good time with um, the whole thing about learning about the the time travel and the 88 miles an hour was great. Uh, Flux capacitor, yeah. Liberian... Mm -hmm terrorists how the did libyan, i forget how, how dumb the that libyan was nationals. Oh, libyan nationals nationals that yeah was he had to get the uranium and then they had like the terrorist angle which is was real dumb but that's okay uh, that was that was rough too um but going back into uh 1955 was pretty cool i would say that the, my one complaint was just that they spent so much time with him trying to fuck his mom that they didn't give us enough of like how he didn't fit into 1955 for my liking. Like they just three times were like, why are you wearing a life preserver? And then like, what'd you do? What'd you do kid? Jump ship. Yeah. It was just like, I wanted more of like how he didn't understand the fifties or like he was out of place. And yeah. I just think that they did a good enough job of like putting him out of place. I felt like they just ran him to his mom's house and had him like in bed, like, covering up a boner and by the way i can see how it'd be a problem because young lorraine was a fox she yeah. was stone cold yeah yeah i can't believe you let her kiss him yeah he, he was, was i mean he was, was he was up for it he was up for it and that was a problem to me it was i had a hard time i, I feel like doc should really have warned him like if you put as soon as it goes in the word like a you know a wormhole will open up and we'll we're, we're going to skew into we'll this tangent. Yeah. <laughs> really scare the hell out of him because it was close there for a while. Eric, is that, is that really a problem for you? Cause your wife and your mom's name are the same first and middle. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 Too close to home. <laughs> no, I mean, like, the, the, the actual person is, uh, is a problem. And it was, it was like so blatantly, uncomfortable watching it so i maybe that was the point eric i don't know for straight laughs for sure but yeah i don't know i i would say if anything i thought that this movie was um disappointing really yeah well, I don't I think I it in 15 years and i would say that michael j fox is fun um the Michael J. Fox guitar stuff was just uncool. Great. Uh, the Michael J. Fox skateboarding stuff now, wow. Really liked all that. The Be Good scene was great. It's so iconic. What's wrong with his his guitar playing? And I guess you kids are ready for that but one. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. Like Eric was just talking about, like they didn't do a good job of showing how he didn't fit into the 50s. And they, they literally spent the last 30 seconds of his Johnny B. Good solo showing how he didn't fit into the 50s. Uh, I don't know. 
Johnny Be Good is from what? 1960. No, but I'm I'm saying like he's kicking over the speakers and he's doing it like an 80s rock concert and everyone is just standing in silence. Like no, this, what is he doing? But he wasn't. He was playing a 1958 song in 1955. Like I think he should have been playing Eddie Van Halen in and but that's what he turned into. That's what he did at the end of the solo was when he was kicking over the speakers and going like crazy. And then everyone's like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. I mean, dude, you cannot deny that they have like from the early onset of this movie, they started planting seeds for things that would become important later. The clock tower, um, you know, the time machine, the plutonium, all these things mattered. That was all that. that. I mean, how great was it when he rushes out of there? He's now set his mom and dad up. They're going to have sex. He will be alive. He That's a big success. But now he has to get back to the future. And so he, he you know, they have to time this right. They get one shot at it. Really, really excellent stuff with, with Doc Brown. Um, that was such a, such a fun climax to the movie right there. I forgot how small of a part Doc has in the movie. He does, yeah. And he gets a little more time in the next ones, but. He's not a big piece of the movie, though. And, like. I just kind of forgot about that, so that was a little disappointing to me. Um, I, I I will say though, I appreciated that he changed his present with his actions in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he I, did. So he comes back, he gets out of there, he comes back, and now because his dad George McFly has like been such a badass. Now you know Biff is the lackey, and he's like this super powerful, good-looking guy. Um, and by the way, Marty McFly's lifted black Toyota truck is still dope. Mm-hmm. How that thing has held up over time. That thing is still cool. And then we get one of the greatest moments ever. Do you guys agree? When Doc comes back from the future and he pulls up, he fucking hops out with crazy glasses on and he's like, Marty, this is Marty. This is about your family, your future kids, Marty. We have to go back to the future. And you're like, oh, the real meaning of back to the future. And then, you know, well, Doc, we're, we're going to run out of road. Where we're going, roads. we don't need roads. Come on. Yeah. Amazing. I'm not saying the movie was bad. I just don't think I liked it as much as you guys. I'm going to say it was like, uh, oh, I feel confident with this score. It was an 80. Okay. I think it was an 88. It was an 80. I liked it. It was fun. Too much mom and him sexual tension for my life. I think you're overplaying that. I think I think that was such a minute part in the movie that literally you're... The whole story. <laughs> no, it wasn't though. It wasn't. It, you're saying it's literally the whole story, which it's not. I mean, you're okay. you're doing the thing that like young kids do. She was all it, over him. Then she fell in love with him instead of him. Yeah, because she didn't know Eric. Like she had no idea. It's well, not I, like they could they could play that, and he did. I think he did a pretty good job of like trying to fend that off without pissing her off to the point that he wouldn't be able to talk to her anymore. I think there's important layers. There's a there's there's something that he there's a role he had to play to make sure that she would still continue to be his friend, so that he could introduce her to his future dad, and he couldn't just be like, "Oh my God, get out of here," and then like run out of the house. Because then the plan goes to hell. Yeah, I think, I think it sense, and it serves the story. I was okay. I think you're. I think you're overplaying that aspect of it just a little bit. Um, also, this was like the first movie that dealt with like uh, serious 
um, how do you want to like talk about it with like future repercussions time travel plot with the whole picture and when he's playing the guitar and his hands not working because he's slowly disappearing and then you know George ends up kissing Lorraine and then he's able to like stand back up and like the future is intact and nothing had ever been done like that in film before and that was like an incredibly poignant moment to say that like the actions of what can happen in the past affects the future, even though um, that's not necessarily the case in other, in, so, in some travel. portrayals of, of, of other time travel. But um, at that point in time, it was something that was very poignant and important. And I thought it was awesome. I think, I think the whole movie, I agree with Jim. I think 88 is a perfect score. Um, it's not a 95, but it's definitely not an 80. Like, I think it's, I think it's much better than that. And the second one, which we will watch this week, I wanted to watch so badly because it picks up exactly where the first one stops. And the third one will pick up exactly where the second one ends. And I love that. I think it's it's a well-thought-out trilogy. It made shit like Dark possible. It made shit like Tenet possible. Um, you know, this is three movies that they thought out ahead of time. They mapped it out. We're going to find out. We're going to see shit in the second and third movie that will change the way we view the first one. So it's the perfect rewatch. I can't wait. All right, guys. So. Next up, we're going to play a brand new game, a brand new game on this show. Mm-hmm. And you guys are going to be able to participate in the future. When we ask, you guys are going to be able to give a nominee for this game. And if we pick you, we will give you the credit for coming up with such a great idea. But this week, we're going to do a simple one. This new game is called Castaway. Okay? Not Castaway like you've been Castaway. Castaway like Casting Away. We're going to cast do it. Away, boys. We're going to cast away. And so uh, we're going to cast away. We're going to recast a remake of Back to the Future. I love it. So we're going to go through who we think should be in each of these roles. We each have our own reasons why. And then we're going to try our best to come to a consensus on each one of them. So we got to start with Marty. I want to go ahead and say right out of the gate, I guarantee I have the worst picks for these roles. (laughs) Possible. Couldn't think of anybody. That will make it I even. Could, I couldn't think of anybody, and so I picked all superstars. So this is that right out of the gate. My budget is sitting at like four hundred million just <laughs> to cast five people. Okay. So Eric, why don't you why don't you walk through who we're recasting, and then we can get to them. All right. So we are going to recast Marty, Doc, Lorraine, his mom, uh, when she's a teen. Um, Biff, the big bully, and uh, George, his father, as a teen. Okay. So those are the five characters that we're going to be casting. Let's start out with Marty. Who wants to give us their Marty McFly? Well, I have I'll it. go first. I'll go first because mine's terrible, and then we can let you guys correct me. I went okay. with Daniel Radcliffe. Yep. Pretty bad. <laughs> Pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to. No I was trying to find some. I was trying to find someone that I thought was like young that could be like semi charismatic, and that was the first person I thought. I got it for you, buddy. I got it, and it's maybe an obvious choice, and it's Tom Holland, and that's it's probably Tom where it's Tom Holland. I thought Tom Holland the whole time I was watching the movie. Yep. The whole yeah, time. it's Tom Holland. He has that. He's small. He's even it's got the same Tom Holland. High it's form. Tom Holland. It's Tom Holland. Yeah, exactly. It's okay, Tom so Holland. we can move on. That's done. I actually think that Tom Holland and Michael J. Fox are like pretty similar. Like that's I know, I know. The whole time. Also, let's just say this: this doesn't bode well for the rest of my picks. So (laughs) that was your best one. (laughs) Okay, 
Um, next up, let's do Doc. Okay. I have right. the best one. Should I, do you want to lead with the best one, or let's go with no, Ryan again? How about, how about I'll just lead first, and then you guys tell me who the actual pick is. Okay. So I went with I, I picked Michael Keaton. Okay. And the only reason I thought oh, that good. was like he's got good acting chops. They could put a little wig on him, and I think he could really pull this off. That, that yeah. that's my only my he's a decent enough actor that I think he could pull this off. Okay, love it. I think you got to go weirder. America's darling, Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Yes. No. I, Same. No. Yes. That one's actually crazy. I get the Tom Holland, but the Goldblum, I thought was a sleeper pick. I'm so glad we both picked Goldblum. No, I don't think it's Goldblum. He's not eccentric enough. Oh, yeah. Are you being sarcastic, you son of a bitch? (laughs) I don't think he can pull off the 1.21 gigawatts part, (laughs) but it would be, like, way more subdued where you'd be like, um, a gigawatt, uh... Boy, one point two one of them. That's a lot. Like, I need it. I need it to be Jeff Goldblum. God damn it! So funny. If, if literally, if you get um, Taika to write and and do this, I'm so on board. All right, let's cast George or Lorraine. Who do you guys want to do first? Which parent? Let's do Lorraine. Well, why why don't you guys just go and then you guys can tell your mutual picks because you guys are way more on the same like this so we one went with Lorraine. Lorraine, I went with J Law. Gotta be high school age, dude. J Law is 35. She could play high school age. Stop. I don't mind J Law. She needs a win. Yeah, she needs a win, but it's a bad I mean it's she's too old. Gotta pick kids. They can age them up, but they can't age them down. Well, whatever. Look, my pick is Dakota Fanning. She's great. She's the appropriate age. Talented actress. Pretty. Um, I think she could be like, you know, hot enough to like tempt a young Tom Holland into making out with his mom or at least making her think she's about to be sexually assaulted. Okay. First of all, how much older did Lorraine feel to you compared to Marty? She definitely felt like a senior versus a freshman. So like J-Law being a little bit older isn't that big of a stretch. Okay. Tom Holland. All right, I'm going younger than you, Jim, and I think my pick's even better for Lorraine. I'm going with Natalia Dyer. I don't even know who that is, bro. She's the girl, um, the sister from Stranger Things. The sister? Yeah, she's like yeah. You know, Steve. Oh. She's with with Steve. Mm-hmm. Steve. Oh, yeah, yeah, love. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's a good pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's gonna need a. Put on a few more LBs, I think, before that would be plausible. But I mean, she I'm, she's in high school. She plays a high school character on a major show right now. Oh, I I, I think they're both great picks. I, I mean, I'm Ryan. Why don't you be the deciding factor? Since it ain't gonna be Jay Law. Finds out. Um, yeah, she's forty years old. Who's okay? She went from thirty-five to forty in ten <laughs> seconds. You keep going. She's gonna be a forty-five or fifty. Who, so. Oh, who's who's your pick, Jim? Dakota Fanning. Oh, I'm going. Uh, Natalia Dyer. Okay. Like nobody's going to touch my next pick anyways. This is the pick that will win. And it's George. Okay. George. Perfect. Marty's dad. Are you ready for George McFly? Yeah. Timothy Chalamet. Too big. Too big. He's, He's perfect. He's mousy. He can play very meek. No, I, I mean, too big actor. what are you talking about? This is dream casting. <laughs> Um, too big of an actor. You're worried about the budget in our fucking podcast game. I'm going with uh, 
Thomas Brody Sangster. Nobody's heard of him. Who's that? Um, look at it. Look him up. He looks just no. like George. He no, was I'm not going to. I'm not going to look him up. You need to tell me who what he's been in that I'd recognize. Or else he was in the Maze Runner him. series. He was in Love Actually. He looks just like George. Was he in the Gambit show? The Queen's Gambit? Because that kid was in Queen's Gambit. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, he was in Queen's Gambit. He's that's a good pick. That's, that's a, a fine pick. pick. But Timothy Chalamet's perfect pick. That is a great pick. So it was the who played his uh, the fat cousin in Harry Potter. That was Dudley Dudley. I don't know, but he was also in that show. But he's there's no that's, way that like no, that's my Dakota pick. Dakota Fanning is gonna sleep with that dude. So that's true. Um, uh, what's your pick, oh, Ryan? Uh, I picked Tom Hardy. Let's move on. Um, so <laughs> the last. One. <laughs> so the only reason I picked Tom Hardy was that I was picturing like um, someone that didn't enunciate clearly and could like slick back their hair and kind of play like this very like weird person and that was the only reason that was the only reason I picked Tom Hardy because he played a weird dude in Mad Max Fury Road and uh, Taboo and the Al Capone series and all those things and that was the only reason I was like eh, he could play he could play Crispin Glover in a weird enough role for enough money he Tom Hardy high schooler. all right finally yeah. Biff did we pick though on the George Ryan? I think you have to be the deciding vote, vote factor again. I don't, I don't know who Eric's person is. So yeah. So just pick Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet is shorter than Marty McFly. He can't possibly play that role. No, that's perfect. They're both short people. That's why I, they look alike enough to be father and son. It's perfect casting. It's not. Timothy Chalamet looks younger than Marty McFly when they're supposed to be the same age. Okay. Um, so you're going with whoever the hell Eric said, even though we don't know who that is? Sure. Okay. But I'm not um, excited about it. Let's cast Biff, Biff. last. Come I on. have a name now that nobody knows who this is. Yeah, no, that's a good pick. That's fine. That's I see him. him. He was Jojen Reed in Game of Thrones. We know who he is. Yeah. Okay. Biff. Um, I feel as good about this one. I feel okay about it. It's We're saving some money finally. Okay. And we're going to dip back into the Stranger Things well for me. I'm going to go with Dacre Montgomery, a.k.a. Billy Badass. Oh. For Biff I, Boy. So I, went, I think Billy from Stranger Things could be perfect. I went full comedic relief, and I think this could work. Uh, Chris Hemsworth. If we're getting Taika to direct, okay. you, know, you know Hemsworth's going to be involved. And so I think he could play no better role than Biff. Like you could, you could see him Biff playing like big. Biff was big. Like he has to be pretty big. Like and I'm not funny, sure Billy's big enough. The funny, like bully kind of guy. I think Hemsworth could add a new layer to that. I all mean, right. Like all of, all of his like misspoken quotes, like make like a tree and get out of here. Like Hemsworth could deliver that 99 times out of a hundred. I, would, I just want to let you know, they don't generally cast people that are 37 years old to play in uh, high school roles. Once again, um, it could be a problem. All right. I went with one of the stars from the show Vikings. That's right. I went with Alexander Ludwig, who is, I believe, six foot four and would be perfect for the role of Biff. Okay. You know, Eric, I'm, I'm really glad that you had some time to research this. And I wish I would have had the same opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So let's run through my, I want to run through my list real quick. Okay. Everyone, let's just, just a recap from a hilarity and horrific casting standpoint. Marty is going to be played by Daniel Radcliffe in my world, Doc by Michael Keaton, Biff by Chris Hemsworth, Lorraine by J-Law, and George by Tom Hardy. So basically, this is Back to the Future, only everyone's 40. <laughs> yep. <laughs> everyone's 40. Everyone's 40, and it's the most expensive movie I've ever made. It's Back to the Future 1994, I yeah. think, is what we'll call it. Mine was uh, Marty is Tom Holland, Doc is Jeff Goldblum, Biff is Alexander Ludwig, Lorraine is Natalia Dyer, and George is Thomas Brody Sangster. So mine was that, but better. Um, the Jeff Goldblum and the Tom Holland crossover meant to be amazing. I can't wait to do these again. I would do them every week, but we'll probably space them out a little bit, but that was really fun. Okay, guys. Finally, uh, before we sign off, we're going to talk a little bit about the season two finale of Mandalorian. If you guys haven't watched Mandalorian yet, you should definitely tune out. Um, we just are going to spend a couple minutes here talking about how great the final episode of season two was. Uh, this season was all about the relationship between Din Djarin, Mando, played by Pedro Pascal, and Grogu, Baby Yoda, as they became almost like father and son. And he searched the universe to find someone who could take care of and train and protect Grogu. Yep. We get to the very end of this season, and uh, episode six you had um, Grogu is kidnapped by the Dark Troopers and uh, Moff Gideon, taken away on a ship to be uh, tested on and have his blood extracted from him. Um, you know, they go through some weird ways of figuring out how to get to the ship, and we pretty much get right into the action with Din Djarin and his little crew of Bo-Katan and uh, Nina, whatever her name is, and uh, Boba Fett. And Gina Carano. Gina Carano. And they attack this ship, um, busting in right away with an interesting plan. Um, how excited were you guys that the things started off with such a bang? Well, I knew it was going to be a big episode. I mean, it had to be. They left it like season finale. We don't, I mean, he had to get in there. It was going to be a big face off the week before he had told Moff Gideon um, directly, I'm coming for the child and you will have to face off. So we knew it was going to be big. Uh, I thought it was smart, which I was impressed by. It's not always the smartest show and having them have a plan that sort of made sense to get in there. Um, I loved seeing how the TIE fighters actually deployed, which we've never seen before in Star Wars, and it was really cool. Um, them coming in there, I think, like, it kind of made sense. Like, it was sort of believable, their plan. And then you had, you know, four badass women just doing the one thing that that I will complain about with all these, with all Star Wars, and this is no exemption. The The firefights are really boring. Um, it's them. Good thing all these hallways in Star Wars are ribbed for her pleasure because you have to have something to stand behind so you can pop out, bing, 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 and then go back. Pop out, bing, bing, bing. I mean, the gun jamming, it's a fucking laser gun. It has no moving parts. Uh, so, that you know, there was some dumb stuff with that, but overall, I mean, when you're following um, the Mandalorian through his adventures through the ship, totally different, different vibes. They can go back and forth. Really, really exciting action stuff. I did like when they were going through, not just in a big firefight, but they were like picking them off one at a time. 
and they mm-hmm. were like going around the cargo and stuff. I thought that was really the, uh, you know the the people using the jetpacks creatively was like a nice set piece that was cool. So there was it was more than just another wave of guys rinse repeat shoot back back hide behind shoot again. Although there was a lot of that too. Well, but then you know in some of those firefights they had the the part where you could see like there was the shield under the base of the ship and things could go through it sort of foreshadowing that that was how the dark troopers were going to be able to come back into the ship, despite the fact that, you know, they had been sucked, you know, out into space. So I think it was more of a visual exposition, like visual exposition of, of sort of the mechanics of, of what they were dealing with on the ship, um, as opposed to like, here's how it would really play out, you know, kind of thing. It was just more of a, this is a vehicle to show you um, how these things work. Well, That's a great example back, of pretty smart writing. Yep. Before they came back, though, we had to get our first taste of those dark troopers and the action that they had. So Din barely locks the door, but before he can, one of them busts through and gives him an absolute beating. Now, we know he's not, like, the best fighter in the universe, but we know he's extremely capable. In like, he stood up to Ahsoka in one-on-one combat for a short period of time. And I and mean, that, that was short. That it's good for him that that was a short fight. We learn, you know, for sure. But like, I mean, he's. I'm just trying to say, he's no slouch. Like, he yes. can definitely hold his own. And this dark, so this dark trooper just absolutely gave it to him. He finally, at the last second, defeated it with the Beskar spear. Um, but you can imagine that a group of those would be nearly invincible for almost anyone in the galaxy. Yep. And that was the point. Was that like it took him? you know, five minutes to defeat one by himself. When he was getting his head punched into the wall, that was wild. Good thing he had that yeah. Beskar, dude. That was awesome. Yep. Um, I loved... Although he, he might have CTE in a couple of years. I loved how smart Moff Gideon was in this episode. So we're only about halfway through when um, he makes his way to Grogu. He gets there. Moff Gideon has figured out the plan and what's supposed to happen. He has taken, you know... Grogu is pretty much a hostage at this point. Makes it. I think. Sorry to interrupt. I think he knew, kind of right out of the gate. Like when when the the ship was calling for an emergency landing, I think he had a pretty good inkling of what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it, it later confirmed when he says, "If you think anything's happening here without me knowing, you know, what I mean? like just assume I know everything." And I think that was a a, a pretty important. Uh, moment in the show to know that like Mando isn't in the room with Grogu, Grogu by accident. He right. kind of had that in the back of his mind that that was a possibility. Anyway, carrying on. So he makes a deal that he will let uh, Moff Gideon go and that everything between them will be done. He'll take the child. Moff Gideon, he turns his back to him, which was just crazy. And Moff Gideon instantly attacks him with the Darksaber, which was pretty cool. And that whole fight scene was awesome. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yep. Loved that whole fight scene. Eventually, though, um, Din takes control using the uh, Beskar spear and takes the Darksaber and gets Grogu and takes Moff Gideon as his prisoner. Should have killed him. Uh, did you think that was strange, too? I thought that was super weird. He's not necessarily the most, you know, he's supposed to be kind of a badass. Like, he's a bounty hunter. He's a Mandalorian. He would just shove the spear through his neck. Yeah, he would have killed him for sure. That was the one thing that was a little weird. But I I will say that... Real real quick. Yeah. Real quick. I think that it was because... um, Oh, my gosh. I forget her name. 
Bo-Katan. Who's the, yeah, Bo-Katan had said, as long as I'm the one to take him prisoner. So I think he thought like he was doing her a favor by capturing him, not necessarily killing him, and then was going to bring him to the brig and say, here, I caught him. No big deal. Having picked up the Darksaber had other implications. Mm-hmm. So they get onto the deck and the heroes are completely reckless, leaving guns on the ground. Um, yeah. Along Moff so arm himself. No one's paying attention to him. And you get this ominous moment where he is making threats, even though he is the prisoner unarmed here. He knows what's happening. The dark troopers come back. They say, Something is landing. How many people? None. It's the dark troopers. They're coming. They're moving directly towards um, this room. They try to lock everything down, but they are trapped. Moff Gideon says this will lead to their death. And at this point, it seems pretty ominous. You knew someone or something had to show up here, um, but you didn't really know what. Yeah, and the the dark troopers are really rocking, socking robots the shit out of that door. I mean, was that the ins- direct style in- inspiration? Was Rock'em Sock'em Robops? Or- it's very, okay. very, very similar. So we see this X-Wing come in. What's your first thought, guys? Like, who is this? Uh, my immediate thought was Luke Skywalker. Okay. I just thought before the X-Wing even came, I thought at minimum we're getting Ahsoka. Yep. I thought at minimum. I thought we're at least getting Ahsoka. We'll probably get Ahsoka and Sabine was kind of what I was thinking was going to happen. Okay. And I thought, like, you know, Ezra, like some of these characters from um, uh, Rebels were some of the options. So I kind of thought you were going to get one of those characters. Um, when the X Wing came, I still was like, uh, could be quite a few people. Yeah. And then um, you see just walking from behind, you couldn't really tell if it was man or woman or, you know, what. And you could see them kind of starting to do stuff. And then when the green saber came up, I literally was like, that's fucking Luke Skywalker. Well, I saw the black glove too. And I'm like, and I was just watching like with my hands on my face, like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, You know, I didn't think narratively they were going to do that. I thought that they would have left. He would have saved the kid, gotten out of there, maybe gotten a new ship out of the deal. And then away they go. And then they were going to like, be contacted at the end by a mysterious Jedi. I had no idea that the plot was going to fast forward like this and just hit so hard because I was either like, this is either Luke or it's like a really mean fake out. So, I mean, when he walked in the room, I was still shocked. I complain like about all of the Star Wars movies that we hear about how badass like Darth Vader is, but we never, ever, 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 ever get a moment where Darth Vader is laying waste to a real foe. Yep. Ever. People are like, oh, he killed a bunch of fucking, you know, repairmen yeah. in a hallway. Like, cool. Like, yep. He literally, they were shooting blasters at him. They were, they had no armor on and they weren't force sensitive. He pulled their guns away and just slaughtered a bunch of unarmed guys. And everyone was like, what? That was insane. Did you see that? He was breaking people's necks who literally couldn't even use the force. And that was like the greatest moment of Darth Vader. And here, we got Luke Skywalker. You're such a you're such a Vader hater, Eric. Like you need Vader hater. No, no, no. I think that at some point they will they will fix it, and he will have a moment like that. But it will be even more brutal. Mm-hmm. My point isn't that Vader isn't a cool character. Okay. My point is we've never seen Vader be a cool character on the screen. 
Luke here. Right. I, I, I don't want to get into this, but carry on. Luke laid waste to a formidable foe without breaking a sweat, without ever moving past a, a slow walk. With, yeah. with ease, yeah. Was chopping them apart, cutting them in half, crunching them with force choke abilities. This was absolutely a massacre. And it showed the difference between power in the galaxy and the most powerful force users. And it was... The well, hold on a second. So so a bunch of non-force-sensitive sentient beings got their guns taken away from them and chopped in half. Um, they're basically like, as far as Luke was concerned, uh, ship repairmen. Yeah, it's impressive they, to you. They would but, have they would have slaughtered those. You're trying to be a contrarian. They would have slaughtered those guys. These were the best fighting machines in the galaxy. They were like they were like decades and decades, probably hundreds of years worth of of trying to figure out how I mean, they were they were slow and clunky rock'em sock'em robots. I don't understand why you're oh, giving you're so much <laughs> <He's> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to get I'm just trying to get Eric going. I'm just trolling. I'm, I'm just saying though like they established they did a good job. They established them they well, teased them all season. We knew they were badass from when they stole baby Yoda. We saw how tough it was for Din Jardin to kill one of them with all his weapons had to use everything he had, including the wrist rockets, which have annihilated everyone so far. And, that did and not then Luke cut through them like butter. It was perfect setup. It was perfect delivery. I think the, uh, but I think the uh, sort of paralleling between what Vader did in the hallway in Rogue One to what Luke did with the dark troopers is meant to be very similar. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Shot for shot, there's definitely similarities too. Okay. Um, eventually, Grogu communicates using the Force with Luke. Um, you get uh, a sad, bittersweet moment with Din and Grogu, where they both know they need to go their separate ways, but they obviously have developed like a father-son type of bond. Um, I thought this was the best way to end this Grogu story. Um, going with Luke, knowing he will remain in this universe. If you think we've seen the last of Grogu you are kidding yourselves because at some point in one of these shows, probably in Mandalorian, but definitely in later shows as well, you're going to get some badass Grogu moments because there is no way they are going to stop making money off of this character. No. And, and not only that, like you still have the empire strikes back, um, you know, corollary where they can bring uh, Luke into training young Grogu, you know, a la Dagobah with Grogu on his back, but you know the the roles are a little bit reversed in that regard. I mean, to, to think that to think that they're not going to capitalize on that is abs like like Eric said, just from a toy perspective, this is going to happen. But also from a story perspective, I think they figured out that this is the way to go. Well, that's a weird thing, don't you think? I mean, it was so it was so final. I was shocked. I mean, I thought they were going to leave it so open ended and it's like if this was see the, the final season of Mandalorian, it wouldn't be all that surprising. I mean, he completed everything he set out to do in one in one big scene. So, I don't think they're going to have a bunch of Luke just to work in Yoda, baby Yoda, because Luke was expensive and they didn't even have enough money to get have him say more than a few lines. Um so I don't see that Luke and him hanging out in scene after scene next year. I think no, when, I don't. I don't think it's going to be scene after scene. But I think there's definitely going to be like they're not just going to like 
take Grogu and be like, that's it. You serve right. your purpose. And so it's I, just I think- like, I like that I don't know how they're going to do it, but they yeah, will reunite enough. Baby Yoda and Mando. At some point in one of the seasons, that will happen. But not they're Next not going like, to travel together and hang, I don't think. Yeah, they will. Next season, they will be back doing the same shit. No, I think next season it's going to be all Mandalore, Bo-Katan, Death... Agree. Uh, Darksaber. Like, like yeah. Darksaber, Mandalore, like that whole political thing. There'll be some other cute character there. There'll be, you know, like there'll be all kinds of things. And like, I think that they're going to use Grogu and Luke as like huge moment, surprise, cool stuff. That's going to yeah. happen rarely, but when it does, it's going to feel so special. And so well, I'm glad they went with Luke. It makes the most sense narratively. Like when you consider it's, you know, five years taking place, five years after the events of um, return of the Jedi. Uh, it's that's, he'd be kind of out in the universe traveling, looking for other Jedi, looking to restore the Jedi order with the, he's collecting the books and the artifacts he's visiting temples. He would be the most receptive and the most available to, to show up. And I'm so glad it was him. I thought it was so cool. It was great. What a, what a moment in Star Wars. I think that this was the best Star Wars that I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, I, I would disagree. Vader was, was his Luke's dad. It was like, you know, that was cooler, but it was, it was big. It was, it was big as it's gotten for a very long time and bigger than anything in, in Rogue One, because we know that was a one-off where everybody dies. This is going to impact the, the, what we know about the sequels. Maybe it will make those better. I think that, Absolutely, Moff Gideon is going to make Snoke at some point, and we'll have Snoke as a character. That's his goal. Um, from his research will come Snoke, so that would be cool. Um, I don't know. I'm psyched on it. I just I think that they took huge chances here. Um, they're killing it. Favreau and Filoni are absolute superstars, and I can't wait to see where they go next. We also got in the post credit scene. Um, we got confirmation that there's going to be at least some kind of maybe um, mini-series about Boba Fett as he took down the uh, head of the huts and is going to be some kind of revenge tour, which should be exciting. Yep. Book of book of Boba coming out November or is it December, 2021 same time as Mando season three. So I don't know if they're going to play. Maybe one will wrap up and the other one will start. Yeah. I'm going to guess they go back to back on it, but yeah. um, All right, guys, that's all the time we have here. Make sure you guys tune in next week when we go into the Nordy Awards. It's a huge episode for us. I know you guys are going to like it. And let us know this week um, what you guys want or what you guys would pick for your Nordy selection. So thank you guys for listening to the Nordy's podcast. We'll be back with you guys next week. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.